0: Thank you, children. Thank you all. Let's pray together. Father, now that we know how mercy feels, we want to go deeper still. And we come to You and we realize again on this special day that You are a good, good Father. That's who You are. And we are loved by you. That's who we are. And this is your world. Remind us again, this is our Father's world. The whole universe, including especially our lives, are marked by your fingertips, God. This is our Father's world. And though the wrong seems oft so strong... You are the ruler, yet let us never forget, ruler of all, rule over us with mercy and grace, we pray in Jesus' name, amen, amen. You may be seated. So my heart is full this morning. It's been an amazing week, Vacation Bible School, and uh, just imagine this room just packed with kids. Uh, singing at the top of their voices, uh, I am, I am, I am, remarkably made, they sang, talking about God our Creator, and then the song we just sang, Deeper Still, and I just want to give special thanks this morning to uh, Lisa and uh, Casey and Sky um, and Jessica and... Uh, I, I could go on and on and on, but special thanks to these. Let's give God glory for their ministry to us this week. Yeah, uh, great, great week, and I just have those songs in my head, and you know, before the week started, they said to me, so we're going to give the kids copies of this music, and they're just going to, you know, they're going to have it with them all year, and I mean, I, I can be skeptical, I confess, and thinking, yeah, they're going to sing Vacation Bible School music all year, okay. And at the end of the week, I was thinking, can I get one of those CDs? Because wow, just great theology, great music sung uh, from our hearts to the Lord. This week, I was thinking about a silly song from when I was growing up as a Western song called "Home, Home on the Range." You may remember "Home, Home on the Range," where the deer and the antelope play, where seldom is heard. And I remember years ago Gary Larson, who did the Far Side comic strip. And I don't know why, maybe it says something about my brain, but I really loved those little cartoons that he did. They're just kind of offbeat. And he had a picture of two cowboys sitting on horses on top of a hill. And they're looking down over this whole meadow that's full of buffalo, you know, where the buffalo roam. And the one cowboy looks at the other and says, that is the ugliest, orneriest, meanest, sorriest critter ever ever made, and one of the buffaloes looks at the other and says, I think I just heard a discouraging word. <laughs> well, there, there seldom is heard it, but that was one of them. I'm pretty sure that was one of them. And I was just thinking about Nelson Mandela who said, after 27 years in prison, I learned that words matter, that the words we speak have the power of life and death to those to whom we speak, especially this is true of the words of parents to our children. How do we give life to our children through our words? Would you open your Bibles with me? The book of Esther, chapter 4. I've never preached Esther on Father's Day. I've been preaching Father's Day for about 35 years now. It's time for a new text, right? And uh, Esther chapter 4, very powerful word. Let's stand together for the reading of God's word. Esther 4, verses 6 to 17. And just a little backdrop in the story, Esther is a, uh, was, a, was an orphan. Uh, her parents died and Mordecai, sort of a relative uncle, uh, chose to become her parent, her uh, uh, custodial guardian we might say these days, uh, her father And he reached into her life and raised her, and she became a queen. And then her people were threatened by an evil man named Haman, and that's where we pick up the story. So Hathak, this is her uh, attendant, went out to Mordecai. in the open square of the city in front of the king's gate, and Mordecai told him everything that had happened to him, including the exact amount of money Haman had promised to pay into the royal treasury for the destruction of the Jews. And he also gave him a copy of the text of the edict for their annihilation, which had been published in Susa, to show to Esther and explain it to her. And he told him to instruct her to go into the king's presence to beg for mercy, And plead with him for her people. And Hathak went back and reported to Esther what Mordecai had said. And then she instructed him to say to Mordecai, all the king's officials and the people of the royal provinces know that for any man or woman who approaches the king in the inner court without being summoned, the king has but one law, that they may be put to death unless the king extends the gold scepter to them and spares their lives. But thirty days have passed since I was called to go to the king. When Esther's words were reported to Mordecai, he sent back this answer. Do not think that because you're in the king's house, you alone of all the Jews will escape. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place, but you and your father's family will perish. And who knows, but that you have come to your royal position for such a time As this, then Esther sent this reply to Mordecai. Go gather together all the Jews who are in Susa. Fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. I and my attendants will fast as you do. When this is done, I will go to the king, even though it's against the law. And if I perish, I perish. So Mordecai went away and carried out all of Esther's instructions. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. So words are powerful, and uh, one wicked man, Haman, gives a, a bad report to King Xerxes. Remember, the Israelites have gone into exile. They're from the southern kingdom of Judah. I'm starting to think about Camp Tallowood in my sermon Tuesday morning, and they're from the southern kingdom of Judah, and they are captives of the Babylonian king Nebuchadnezzar, and then the Persians defeat the Babylonians, and suddenly the Israelites find themselves in this foreign land, and there's a king named Xerxes, and he has some domestic issues, and out of that, they need a new king. and they, A new queen. And so they have this sort of nationwide search, and Esther, unknown to King Xerxes, a young Jewish girl, becomes the queen of all of Persia. And at about that same time, this evil man, Haman, wants to annihilate all of Esther's people, all of the Jews. And Mordecai, her uncle, father, sends word to her and says, it's up to you to save the lives of your people. And Esther says, I can't do it. Who am I to do this? And with words, he reminds her who she is. And then he envisions a future in which he empowers her by his words to become the person God always meant for her to be. Words really matter. Because when we read stories like this about people who want to kill other people, that doesn't sound like ancient history anymore, does it? We live in a world where things like this are happening. And in that world, the question is, who are we? Who are we in a world like that? And it strikes me that, that all of us have within our sphere of influence, within our range of power, the opportunity to either discourage people or encourage people. We can empower them or we can disable them, even by the words that we speak. So... Um, I was reading Lake Wobegon days, and Garrison Keillor tells about uh, E.J. Schroeder. Uh, He is the head coach of the Schroeders. It's the local baseball team, and it's called the Schroeders because all nine positions are manned by his sons. They're all Schroeders, and if they do well... He dismisses what they've done. If they do poorly, he will never let them forget it. And it's just the way he coaches. He spits and then he, he says harsh things to his kids. And one day, his son Edwin Jim Jr., with a remarkable display of athletics, when a ball was hit way over his head, runs out into the outfield and realizes he's not going to be able to get to the baseball, so he throws his glove into the air... It hits the ball. He catches the ball and the glove, and the batter is out. And EJ, the coach, father, can't help himself. He's clapping for his son until his son stops and looks at him. And then he acts like he's killing mosquitoes. And his son runs over to the bench, and his father says to him, there was a guy in Superior, Michigan, in a game I watched years ago, who did the same thing. Except it was in the dark and the ball was hit a lot farther. This was His Word to His Son. And I think about that gripping moment on American Idol this year when Leslie Clarkson poured her heart out in the song about her father abandoning her at the age of six and then contrasting her father with her husband who piece by piece collected her off the floor where her father abandoned her. And how he's the kind of father who will never walk away from their children. There are contrasts in our world. But all of this reminds us, as Nelson Mandela said, that our words really, really matter. For instance, our, loves can, our words can convey the kind of unconditional love which explains to our kids and reminds them who they are in Christ. Now, watch this in this story where you, you see him um, when, when he asks her for help and she essentially says, Who am I? Now, why she would say, as the queen of, of Persia, Who am I? I mean, there's, there's precedent for the, that king, Xerxes, killing people, why she would say that. But I love the sort of backstory. Of adoption, I remember saying when I moved here 18 years ago, I love the love of those who adopt. And I would look out in the congregation at the people who had done that. For instance, at Randy and Myra Pullen, and eventually they adopted four. There's kind of almost two groups, aren't there, in their family. And and Sarah, who was one of our, our first friends. And recently I went to her wedding. In fact, I had the privilege of helping out with her wedding. And what happened in the reception, I will never forget, Because Sarah reached out to her birth mom when she was in college. And they met one day and had connection and then didn't see each other. But Randy and Myra invited Sarah's birth mother to the wedding. Are you with me? So from Colorado she came. And in the reception, when Randy stood up to say what fathers say, he said something I'd never heard a father say. He said, so I want to introduce to you my daughter Sarah's birth mother and in front of all these people I want to say to you thank you for giving life to my daughter. And I don't remember what anybody said after that. I don't remember what anybody did after that because I was undone. By that, that reminder of the gift of life and then the opportunity to bless somebody who gave life to a girl that they have adopted and raised. And I was just, my head was just spinning after that. And isn't this Esther's story, that Mordecai, it's, it's Jean Valjean. It's Jean Valjean saying to Cosette, uh, I will raise you. And you will be my daughter. It's a beautiful story. And how out of that love could she still, don't we still, even in view of all that God has done for us, sometimes wonder, "Who am I? So Emily Dickinson's little poem, "I am nobody. <laughs> who are you? Are you nobody, too?" And in this moment, maybe Esther feels like, "Oh, who am I?" I was an orphan. I'm a nobody." And he says, "No, no, no, wait a minute. That crown on your head says something. You're a queen. And you have been put in this special position. And he speaks and explains to her and reminds her of who she is. And bless the people who heal us of our self-despising. Bless the people who reach into our lives with words that remind us who we are. So I get the privilege to be with families in what I consider to be sacred moments with Nora Hahn, the loss of her dad, Joe Allen Rice. And she wrote and prepared music and then she wrote words for me to use in her father's funeral. If you weren't there, you need to hear this. This is what she wrote about her dad. She titled it, He Told Me I Was Pretty. Every Sunday morning, for as long as I can remember, my father told me I was pretty It was usually right before we walked out the door to go to church. He took a moment to look at me and smile and told me exactly what I needed to hear. It didn't matter that I had frizzy hair that day or a bad complexion or poorly applied makeup. He thought I was beautiful, and to him I was. And he built up my confidence when I needed support. He drove me to flute lessons when I wanted to become a musician. And aren't we all glad that he did? Because she can play. He introduced me to important people when I needed a job. In short, he did everything he could to make sure I knew I was loved, I was valued, I was special. He did these things not out of duty, but because he wanted to. Because he didn't have anyone to do that for him. His father died when he was 10. His mother died when he was 19. And they didn't get a chance to do for him what he did for us. In fact, it was one of his teachers who gave him the boost he needed to steer his life. She once told him he could be anything. And he told us the same thing. And we believed him. He reminded her of who she was. Her sister read this, Allison. You have to know Allison. And said, all I remember him saying to me was, Don't put beans up your nose. Because in my case, my daughter, my sister needed encouragement and I I needed to be calmed down a little bit. And he knew Proverbs 22, verse 6 says, Raise up a child in the way they should go, right? But it it literally says, according to their bent. In other words, find which way your kid is naturally going and help them get there. And that sounds exactly like what Joe Allen Rice did. For his kids. It sounds exactly like what Jesus' father did at his baptism, at his uh, transfiguration, Matthew 17, verse 5. His father shows up and speaks up and says, This is my beloved Son. In him I am well pleased. And to the uh, sleepy disciples on the mountain, listen to him. He's good at this. Listen to what he says. Words matter. I'm speaking up for him. And I was just thinking about um, Trevor Hudson's beloved charter. I flew up to Colorado and read this to B.O. Wilkins before he died. And I'm going to speak to our missionaries uh, in the next couple weeks. And I'm taking, I'm taking these words with me. You are my beloved child. This is what God says to us. Trevor Hudson says. You are, it's right out of Scripture. You are my beloved child in whom I delight. You did not choose me, But I chose you. You're my friend. I formed your inward parts. I knitted you together in your mother's womb. You were fearfully and wonderfully made, a little bit lower than the angels, crowned with glory and honor. You've been created in Christ Jesus for good works, which... I have already prepared to be your way of life. When you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. Through the rivers, they'll not overwhelm you. Anybody here walking through fire, you will not be burned. The flame will not set you ablaze, says the new NIV. You are precious in my sight, honored, and I love you. I know all your longings. Your sighing is not hidden from me, says your Father. Nothing will ever be able to separate you. Nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate you from my love in Christ Jesus, your Lord. Abide in my love, says God to all of His children, explaining to us and reminding us who we are. And then, in unconditional love, we explain and remind, but in unquenchable hope, we empower others to do what God always knew they could do. So Esther has got a little bit of self-doubt going here, but Mordecai will have none of that. And after he reminds her who she is, he says, now here's what you need to do, and here's how you need to do it, because when you do this, this is how God is going to save your people. But by the way, I mean, he doesn't use the word God, but it's clear who he's talking about, a deliverance will arise from another place. Yeah, God's going to get his work done in the world, but here's the amazing thing, he'd like to use you to do it. He'd like to empower you to be a part of His great drama of redemption. Through the ages, it's it's in that last phrase in Matthew seventeen five. Listen to him. Why? Because at some level, we not only encourage, put courage in others, but we literally empower, we ennoble, we I- empower our kids to do what they were meant to do. I, I said to the earlier crowd, I was a wrestler in middle school and early high school, and I wasn't a very good wrestler, and you can probably tell that by looking at me. Um, it, you know, probably to my opponents when I stepped on the mat, uh, five foot five and eighty five pounds. I looked like a pretzel that was waiting to be formed but interestingly my father sometimes drove the bus and when he was in the room I was undefeated because when he was in the room I knew who I was and my dad (laughs) you know every dad has strengths and weaknesses right but his strength was, if he ever sensed that you didn't think you could, he became Newt Rockney, And he was win one for the Gipper, the speech of the ages. I remember a speech meet, state tournament, high school, Montana, and, uh, and, and the first day, uh, I did as poorly as anybody could do. In a spe- I had the worst score in every round. And I remember waking up on that Saturday morning thinking, why even go? Because I'm not going to make the quarterfinals, much less the semifinals or the finals. And dad... Steps in the doorway and says, "You need to go. And you need to do your best, And that whatever that is will be good enough. And in that strength, I stood, in the strength, in the strength of, of the words of people. And look, I'm just saying you have no idea how much power you have. You, you can be E.J. Schroeder and tear down. Or you can be Mordecai and build up. But the world is waiting for your words to be spoken. And those words will matter to the people who hear them. So so by all means, say them well, so that somebody will find their place in God's kingdom. So I got front row seat to glory this week with VBS. I stood here after I told my Bible story, and the preschoolers came by and gave me high fives. And if you can ever get this job, get this job. And the first day, little beautiful blonde-haired girl gives me a high five and says, You are awesome. It's <laughs> like, okay, I can go about six years on that one. Wow. Wow. Power in the words of, of other people. And then I went over the last day with Paul Rivera, my new intern. We went over to the treasures area just to watch our students and our people in this ministry that Mary Lynn has love. These beautiful children who are gifts from God. And I had heard about William, my daughter's little buddy for the week. And I walked in and they were in the, the little pool and they were playing together, and she's holding him up, and he and she puts him in a swing. And I'm just watching this beautiful little boy and and seeing the glory of God revealed in his face. And here's the thing. God's going to do His work. But the amazing thing is He will let us be on His team if we want to be on His team. He will let us be a part of His great redemption story. And I read in chapter 8 of Esther that, that later in this story the Jews are filled with joy because their lives are rescued because Esther found her place and did what God made her to do. And We're not the star of God the story but God lets us be a part of it right I love uh, just the beautiful little image of Bob Benson's son who tried out for the school play and he didn't get the part he wanted to get but he did get one small part where he got to say a couple of lines and Bob Benson wrote in his journal later that day he said his lines and he said them well not too soon not too late Not too loud, not too soft. He said his lines, and he said them well. And then Benson said, and I too am not the star of the greatest story of all. But I do get to play a part, and God has given me some lines. And my prayer is that someday the Lord will look down at my life and say, he said his lines, and he said them well. Not too soon. Not too late, not too loud, not too soft. And so God has given you a part to play. God has given you words to say. Say them well, because words matter. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the chance to love people, to love our own families, God. Thank you, Lord, for the privilege of loving the children, all the children that are in your tender care, and Lord, they experience your love through our love, so Lord, we're grateful for this last week. We're grateful for the week ahead. We can't wait to see what you're going to do at Camp Tallowood, and Lord, for whatever part we play in that, we pray that we would do our part well. Not for our glory, but for your glory. Because we know Jesus is the star of the story. And we could be the star of our own stories and be so empty. Or we could live for your glory and find great fullness in our hearts. So let us be in your story, Lord. Let us live for your glory, Lord. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.